Welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast with Cindy Wetland. This is episode 59, Beware, Three Manager Pitfalls. Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to team, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here. Because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons and equally important to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. If you're a manager right now, you probably know that some days managing people is hard. If you're not a manager now and you are an aspiring manager, just know that sometimes managing people is hard. There are some statistics that I've previously shared on this podcast about nearly 50% of first-time managers fail, and only about 10% of them feel prepared, trained, and qualified to lead. And also in this same survey, a whopping 68% didn't like managing people. Just let that sink in. Don't like it, but they are doing it. So, well, that can kind of suck for them, or aka you if you are that manager, or, well, like you, because you're an employee of possibly one of those same managers. This episode is about the pitfalls that lead to some of those feelings of anxiety in managers, and also the questions we inevitably ask ourselves as managers. For example, am I doing this right? Or why is this so hard? Or alternatively, why aren't my employees, all top performers, showing up every day, knocking it out of the park like I am? Hmm. Well, the majority of managers get to be managers by being high-performing individuals. Maybe you're one of them. That makes sense, right? I do the job, I know the job, and I perform it very well. Someone sees that, or I, I think, oh my gosh, I will coach other people to do the same. Cheers to my blinding success. Oh, whoa, hold your horses there. Because moving from an individual contributor to getting work done through others is a sometimes painful experience for many of us. It certainly was for me. Because we see how the work is getting done and we think about how we would do it. Oh, there's a potential disconnect. And if it's not done right or fast enough, why don't we just do it ourselves? Wouldn't that be easier? Yes, let's do that. Because the opposite is talking to people, sharing what's in our brains, getting the words out right, and making sure that everybody else understands. Oh, and by the way, we have to get their buy-in. 
that all sounds very hard. (laughs) And if you're a working manager, which pretty much everyone is, it makes the challenges more problematic because where are the boundaries? What I mean by that is how much time should be spent on coaching and leading others relative to actually doing the work that has to be done. And if you're accountable for both and you're like me, you're probably more comfortable and knowledgeable about getting the work done. So you concentrate on that until it's all too much. And then we're like, oh crap, like I'm supposed to be coaching and developing people. And when am I supposed to be doing that? Or if I am already doing that, am I doing it right? And if I'm doing it right, how come there's still so much to do? These are the endless questions inside of our brain. And if your brain is anything like my brain, those questions need to be answered. We need to answer them. And in my work with managers over the years, I have seen three very consistent pitfalls. I want to share those with you today and see if you see yourself or others in these three pitfalls. Number one is power confusion. Number two is ineffective communication, particularly around expectations and feedback. And number three is doing rather than delegating. Let's start with number one, shall we? Power is confusing. And what does it even mean? It means recognizing as a manager, you have power and not either taking advantage of it or overusing it to get work done. This is particularly tricky if you were a peer and now you're managing your peers, aka your friends. Ew. So it is important to know that there are various kinds of power. Legitimate power means that you have the title and the role of a manager or a team lead or a lead worker or a supervisor or a director or the like. Typically, when we have legitimate power, we also have reinforcement and coercive power. Those are typically correlated because what that means is we have the responsibility to hold others accountable for doing things well and also when they don't do things well. So we need to give positive reinforcement. We need to hold people accountable. And sometimes that feels a little coercive. Coercive is about threats and reprimands. And I don't mean we're going to go around threatening people, but even giving people feedback in a corrective way is utilizing our coercive power. Sometimes it is needed and appropriate. Then there's also expert power. You may have very strong technical or subject matter knowledge. And then reverent power, meaning that you are likable, warm, and others want to follow you because of your interpersonal effectiveness. All right, so let's go back to managers and the effective use of power, because with all these kinds of powers, you might be able to see how these would be confusing when and how to use them. When push comes to shove and when the work needs to get done, what I observe that a lot of first-time managers or newer leaders tend to do is to resort to using legitimate power quickly. So we kind of go into a do-what-I-tell-you-to-do mode without the level of engagement or even asking of questions to employees to ensure that they understand. And this occurs because sometimes we don't know what else to do as managers. And what we want to do is get people to focus on the right things very quickly. Another thing that I also see managers do is when they know they need to get the right things done and they need to get it done quickly, they use reinforcement power. We reward people. So, oh, I need something done, extra effort, donuts. Oh, compromise on a deadline? I'll give you a gift card. Oh, you worked late? Let's give everybody pizza. A significant project deliverables do, and I use all the reinforcements that I can possibly think of because this is how we get people to do the things we want them to do, right? 
Well, yes, until we apply this strategy so frequently that the value of the reinforcements diminish, their impact is reduced, or people come to expect them, aka they feel entitled to them, and if they don't get them, ironically, then they get angry, resentful, and unmotivated. The other side of the continuum is overextending on the reverent power, meaning like we're all buddies and friends and people like me, so they'll do what they should do, right? And let's say that same project and a significant project is due, but then other people take advantage of the relationship with you. They don't show up or they give us all the reasons they can't do something and they hope we understand. And I put understand in quote, because we're their friend and we know their family and their partners and their spouse and their kids and their puppies and their kittens and their gerbils. Well, how do we appropriately balance all of these power dynamics? How do we get it right with the use of legitimate power, reinforcement power, expert and reverent power without having to rely on coercive power? Well, I'll tell you what. All of these power dynamics tend to be affected and managed more effectively by working on pitfall number two, which is ineffective communication, particularly on expectations and feedback. Creating clarity and roles and responsibility as a manager is job one. And there is a difference between goals and expectations. A goal to me is about your result. You need to produce a certain number of products, or you need to operate at a certain level from a service perspective, or you need to meet certain standards of performance. To me, an expectation is I may have sales goals for people in my team. My expectation is they work as a team. They operate synergistically. They operate cohesively. So you want to be clear on both the goals and the expectations that you have with people and for people. And this means communicating very clearly. What is everyone responsible for? What are the goals and are they clear and are they known? And while you will use legitimate power appropriately to assign tasks and responsibilities, you also need to couple it with reverent power to explain the purpose and the why of the work. Take the time to explain the value of what each person is doing and what they're contributing in a meaningful way. This will certainly engage employees in their work far beyond what a donut or gift card or pat on the back alone will do. Although absolutely still reinforce people, please. I'm not saying not to. I'm just saying couple it with use of legitimate and also reverent power. And by the way, splash in some expert power as well and help people when they aren't sure of how to get their roles and responsibilities or tasks done. But I would also bet my small savings that there's something that every manager is withholding as an expectation or also feedback from an employee, something that they want to say, need to say, and just cannot say. I confidently say this because, and I'm not a betting person, but over the years, I have asked managers this very question. What do you want more of or less of from your employees? And if you could wave a magic wand, what would you want starting today? And they are never at a loss for words. And if you're a manager right now, I bet you could identify those things very quickly because the list is generated rapidly, typically. And then, of course, I ask how many of your employees know this list? that's when the majority goes silent. And I also think what would happen if you went to your manager today and asked, hey, what do you want more of or less of from me? And while some of you would get some honesty, some of you would not. And I think about that for myself. I wonder what would I have said if a former employee asked me that? Ironically, if they were a high performer, I might be even more reluctant to tell them directly because what if it affects their motivation? 
which is ironic, of course, because these were the folks that probably would have been able to have this discussion in a very growth-oriented way. The reluctance was on me to say the words and to be that honest and transparent with my expectations and my feedback. So for all of us, we need to get those thoughts and expectations out of our heads and into the minds and the practices of our employees. And when you see them doing something well, oh, for heaven's sakes, praise it. And when they miss an opportunity, tell them, tell them in a respectful, kind, and supportive way. And then let's focus on pitfall number three. Pitfall number three is the doing, not delegating. And again, there are many reasons for doing this. A lot of times it's because we used to be the doer. We were the individual contributor doing the job. Now we have to move from individual contributing to getting work done through others, and we just don't know how to do that as effectively. But what are the problems that result from this? For managers, or if you are the manager, One thing it means is you may not be focusing on the right tasks. You may be operating at a tactical, operational, or a much too detailed manner versus operating at a higher level, the one that they're actually paying you to do. And that means you're already doing things that you already know how to do, which means there's no growth for you. It also probably means that you're stressed and you're full of anxiety because you think, why did I want to do this? I liked being an individual contributor. And now, I'm trying to balance all this stuff and do more. Mm. So that leads us to capacity issues, but also not just about us. This is about the more we withhold tasks and responsibilities, we are not actively developing the team. And you know what? They're going to resent us for it. They're going to see missed opportunities and things that we're doing that they could be learning. It also affects the cross-training. When you're gone, who's doing that work? Are you ever going to be going on vacation? I hope so. (laughs) And if so, you certainly want to back up. And then it also means accountability issues with your team, because chances are your team should be operating at a higher level. And if you're doing that work, they're not learning. And then essentially, they're not fulfilling their responsibilities in the way that they could. So we need to let go of those fears and excuses and the hold we have on power and provide employees with the responsibility, the growth opportunities, and the engagement to contribute at a higher level. I did a previous podcast episode on this, so go check it out. It's called Delegation, Lean Into Your Fears. So when you think about these three pitfalls, power confusion, ineffective communication around expectations and feedback, or doing, not delegating, Which have you experienced? Which are you experiencing as a manager? And what is to be done about it? And if you want to be a manager, I want you to start thinking of these things in advance and try to avoid them. Because the trick here is to consider not only doing the opposite of the pitfalls, rather avoiding where these pitfalls come from to begin with, which means number one, self-awareness. Sometimes the people I work with and people who are managing are not even aware that these are occurring. Managing is hard. Most people are not trained to do it, and these pitfalls are very common. Self-awareness means you have to come to recognize that a change is needed, but also know that you are not alone. 
so many people that I've worked with over many decades are doing these same things. So number two, have clarity in your habits and practices and skills as a manager. Start by working first on clear responsibilities, goals, and expectations for yourself as a manager. You must know what they are. And then also for your employees, because this is the starting point of effective performance for you and for your employees. And also this inspires team cohesiveness. Roles and responsibility, goals and expectations are key. And then number three, focus on and overcome the obstacles that limit our ability to change. This is primarily our own brain that we're fighting with, our own bad habits, and also the time and investment it takes for our growth. If you don't focus on these three areas on purpose, you are not going to change them. My thoughts are start with pitfall number two, which is about ineffective communication. Start there and then enhance your ability to set clear goals and expectations by your understanding of number one. When it comes to understanding your power and using it appropriately, you have to find a good balance between legitimate power, reverent power, reinforcement power, and expert power. The more you do those things, the less coercive power you will need to employ. And then complement your own growth and those around you by avoiding pitfall number three, which is about doing, not delegating. Of course, you're going to have to do, but try to delegate more. These three are interwoven into the fabric of your management. Make that fabric strong. You know what the strongest fabric is? Polyethylene. Be polyethylene. So maybe you have a manager doing these things and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I need to send them this episode. Why don't you start with sending them a different episode, maybe the one earlier, and then maybe they'll listen to this one and maybe they'll get some feedback. (laughs) Next week, we're going to talk about a really cool concept. It's called the six thinking hats. It's a way to promote inclusivity and diversity in team discussions. Join me.